Meditate with Samara. I'm so excited. In this episode, I'm bringing you a very close friend of mine, which I am so inspired by. Through our discussions, when we are talking together, he is Ferris Arafi Silitonga, and he is a friend of mine from my undergraduate studies. We did it together in Universitas Gajah Mada um, in Indonesia. And I am just so inspired by his teaching and his interests in stoicism and i'm so excited for you to um listen and just understand the world of stoicism through ferris's eyes welcome ferris thank you for hello there here. hello to all of you uh, this is my first podcast ever so i'm sorry if i might be a bit awkward but yeah hi to you as well samara i'm very excited to share why i, why I learned from stoicism and perhaps what i can teach about it for our practical lives. And perhaps, you know, also something about meditation because I know that Samara Sami is very enthusiastic about meditations. And yeah, I do know a thing or two about meditation stoicism, a bit different perhaps from what Sami learned, but so yeah, let's, let's see a bit about stoicism. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'm, I'm so excited. Um, I would really love to learn the concept of stoicism from you and maybe we can translate it to uh, meditations that's practical and useful for whoever who is listening right now. So I would really like to start to define what stoicism is because it's a word that now a lot of people hear maybe from YouTube or also from the bookstores but what mm -hmm. is stoicism in your opinion? All right. So before I begin, I would like to also just peel my rap a bit. So I've been learning Stoicism just a little bit over two years now. It's not a bit much, but I dwell into two books at least, which is I will, I will introduce later. So I found Stoicism when, before I went home from the Netherlands, I thought to myself, yeah, I should bring as many books about philosophy as I can. So I brought books about maybe Kant, and maybe some other philosophers that I'm really interested about. And when I came back home and I was having a bit of a hard time adjusting, and a bit of anxiety and perhaps depression, that's where I found uh, Marcus Aurelius, one of the Stoic philosophers, one of, one of the most famous probably. And then, yeah, that's how I, and then I started to read, read it, study it, and then, yeah, I get, I got back up, thankfully. One, one of the factors is from studying Stoicism. All right, so what is Stoicism? Like, we all heard about it lately. Uh, Stoicism is a ancient Greek philosophy, which was founded by a guy named Zeno of Citium. Mm -hmm. The guy was living alongside Plato, Socrates, Aristoteles, and it was around 300 BC, so 300 years before Christ. Or so and during that time he he saw he oversaw two famous philosophers during the time the first one is the cynics the cynics who are like Diogenes if you know the meme about uh, behold a man because it's a better feathers uh, biped or something like that uh, what he saw from the cynics it's not the modern word of cynical being as in not wanting to trust anything you hear or something no but the cynic with the capital C is a, a school of thought where they prioritize your character 
So they will disregard anything like your clothing, your possession of external things. They would even live in the street. That's how they want to practice their philosophy because they believe that the sole good in their life is their character. So that's a cynic. And at the same time, the Zeno also was inspired by Platonism, the school of Plato. Mm-hmm. He saw from it the academics. They, he, Zeno was inspired by the schools searching for the truth. They, they were very intellectual. So from both of these schools, Plato and then from the cynics, Zeno tried to sort the best of both world combination. So in a way, Stoicism is about the development of your character, but mm-hmm. at the same time, while also using the use of your intellectual ability that which all human being has, which is your reason. Yeah. So um, Stoicism is a video of philosophy, as you can know, but unfortunately, there's very few surviving works of Stoicism because Stoicism was usually taught under the terrace. So Stoicism was based on the word stoa, which means terrace, you know, with the pillars yeah. under the sun in, in ancient Greece. So that's where the name came from. But Stoicism was primarily taught by lecture, by verbally. So that's why there's not that many uh, writings survived at that time. And even if there are, a lot of the works was lost during the burning of the Library of Alexandria. Mm. Have you heard about it? No, I haven't actually, but I'm learning so much new things from you. I love it. Yeah. So so in Egypt, once upon a time in Alexandria, there was a collection of wisdom and works from all, all around this, the Balkans, Europe, Greece, Italy, and so on. They collected them there, but there's a mishap, there was a firing, and then there's a lot of wisdom lost in there. Mm. So yeah. So... From today, on in modern times, we we know Stoicism from primarily three Stoic philosophers. Okay. Okay, so I have the books here, actually. Okay, awesome. Let's see it. Okay, so the first one is by Seneca. Here. Seneca. This is how the book. Yeah, mm. Seneca. Letters from a Stoic. Yes. So Seneca the, was a Roman statesman, but and he was living throughout the regime of Nero. And throughout the letters, or we call it in modern times, his DMs, <laughs> he was uh, he was advising his friends on how to adjust with his life. His friend was also one of uh, a statesman, and he was giving him stoic advices mm-hmm. how to get through adversity, how to get through hardship. He was also through the letters uh, told his friend how to go through the grief of her losing son. And so on. Mm. And the next one is Epictetus. Okay. Epictetus. Epictetus. Discourses yes. and selected writings. Cool. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So Epictetus, unlike Seneca, he wasn't born a noble. He was actually a, an ex-slave. Oh. So as you can see by now, socialism was not only taught by the rich or by the upper class, but also even by the lower, making yeah. this philosophy very accessible. Okay, so the story of Epictetus was that he was a slave, but when he was a slave, he, his leg was crippled, but then he didn't let his crippled leg stop him. But mm-hmm. he said it became one of his motivation in his saying that the will is not impeded by your leg, but rather impeded by your will, something like that. Mm-hmm. So after 
after he got off his slavery, he was studying under this guy named Musonius Rufus. Musonius Rufus. Rufus. Yes. Okay. Yes. So he was also a statement. Uh, he was also a teacher of the Stoic school. Mm -hmm. And this very thin book was uh, collected works of one of the uh, his, of his teachings. So Epictetus was under the guidance of Rufus. And then after a while, he settled in a city in Greece. And then he started to lecture. So all this book uh -huh. is a collection of his lectures. Ah. And there was, yes. So there's this guy named Arian who was... Who attended his lectures and he had this bright idea of, yeah, this guy's lecture is very good. You should write them down all. So, yeah. so the book is almost like a almost word by word lecture by him. Wow. And we are very fortunate that the lecture was recorded because otherwise we won't even hear them now. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Thank you so, so much the, for sharing that. You yeah. need to have a third book? Uh, yeah, there is. Okay. So, Wait, let me let me finish also by Epictetus. So discourses is about his lecture, but uh, I think one of the most most famous and accessible writing of Stoicism is called Enchiridion. It's a very small section of the book. Mm -hmm. Well, what it has, this is the title name. Well, that's a mouthful. I can't even pronounce that. Enchiridion. Yes, Enchiridion. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically a. Uh, a very refined and distilled, like uh, distilled wisdom from what the, from what Epictus has from his lectures. So if you're very new, I recommend that to I recommend, I recommend anyone to start from that because, yeah, it's not very it's very simple and gives you the gist of what is stoicism. Awesome. So just to recap, so Enchiridion is something like a summary. You would you say something? Mm. The summary distilled of the insights from which book specifically? Can you show it again? From from anything that Epictetus from his lectures. Okay. Epictetus. Epictetus book and the Enchiridion um, part. So you can read all of that. And I would actually try to do that myself because I would love mm. to, to learn more. Okay, mm. cool. And the third and probably the most famous Stoic philosopher is Marcus Aurelius. I don't have his book right now because uh, the book is called Marcus Aurelius Meditations. The, the Meditations book, this Marcus Aurelius is a Roman emperor, probably the last good one. The term he was termed as the last good emperor because after his reign, his son took over, but the Roman Empire kind of fell down. Mm. So in his book, it wasn't actually meant to be published or read by anyone else. So it's really creepy to think about it. So, <laughs> and personal, after, personal thoughts, right? Like his personal yes. writing. Yeah. Yes. So in in this in this journal, he wrote down to himself all the things he learned from his uh, philosophy teachers, from also Epictetus. So Marcus Aurelius got uh, happened to also read about the lectures from Epictetus, and he was really thankful for it. And in the in his journal, he also wrote wrote down some words of affirmation to himself, because being a Roman being a Roman emperor is not really easy because he had to deal through all the bureaucracy, to all the his enemies in politics, and philosophy was one of his ways of being stable. Let's just say that. And the book was actually very inspiring to read if you were looking for ways to reaffirm yourself and methods how to also practically meditate. Yeah. And we, which we will talk later, of course. 
Yeah, I would love to. I actually tried um, to read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius twice. Um, and I've always been recommended that book, aside from you, from other people, when I'm also in my, my low down state. And then mm. they said and say that this book has given me a lot of inspiration. But I have a problem with understanding, I guess, the English. I guess it's a very hard, um, it's translated mm. from Latin, right? Mm. So it's not easily understood by me um, where the core learnings. And mm. I think what's really good about this conversation with you and what I really appreciate is you are an enthusiast and the closest to an expert that I know. <laughs> you are going to, to help me understand, help our listeners understand um, mm. all the really good you know, um, learnings from stoicism. So, mm. so I'm really excited too. And also thank you for, for sharing your journey and, and what led you to, to read and learn and continuously try to understand what stoicism can bring mm. to your life. And that's mm. really amazing. I, I really appreciate you for that. Likewise. Um, likewise for being here. Mm. So, yeah, it is understandable that stoicism is quite hard to enter because you first need to understand also the concepts, uh, the background within it. What Socrates, the probably the wisest philosopher ever on earth, what Socrates have to, have to say because Stoicism was based on it. But before I get to that, let's talk a bit more about the general opinion about Stoicism. All right. Yeah. So uh, the first thing that probably comes to the, the mind of people is like, uh, there's a misconception of the, the philosophy of Stoicism and being a Stoic person. Mm -hmm. Because if we learn from many mass media, movies, series, for example, uh, when a person was called Stoic, it, it will probably be a person who is emotionless, who will suppress their emotion, who is probably also distant from other people. But this is actually a misconception because even though those who are learning Stoic philosophy are usually very stable in their emotion, they do not steer away from it completely because they understand emotion is a very human part of us. So instead of suppressing them, we uh, the Stoic philosopher will understand them. And they will also realize that in the universe that they live in, a Stoic philosopher also realized other people, me and you, we are we belong to live with each other. So we are, so we are also motivated and have have a duty to help each other. It's called a stoic uh, cosmopolitanism. Mm. So we have this belief that wherever you go, it's your city, it's your home. There's no need for distinction of what country you're from, what background you're from. We're all human beings with the same dignity, with the same reason. And so forth. That's really humbling because mm. if I look and pay attention to the media these days, we're in one of the times that are so divided and in a lot of different topics. And I think it's mm. very humbling. Um, this mm. stoicism, cosmopolitanism. Cosmopolitanism. <laughs> it's a very, it's a tongue twister, yes. But, um, but yeah, mm. we understand I think, the, the general, the general notion of it. And What's interesting is you mentioned that the Stoics, or, or who people, one of the misconceptions is that people say that a Stoic person suppresses their emotion, mm. but Stoicism itself, they 
mm. understand that emotions are an important part of life mm. and mm. regulate it instead in the many ways mm. that we'll discuss after this. And why yeah. that is interesting and important because I actually learned that in school when I did uh, my master's degree, it has a little bit of philosophy and neuroscience behind it. And um, mm. when people actually suppress their emotions, they are so much more unhappier rather than mm. those who can learn to regulate their emotions. And when they mm. suppress, it means that they're bottling up. They don't mm. show the sign of emotion like how media says a stoic person is, but the healthier mm. way of processing these emotions, which will happen mm. a lot of the times because you are, of course, in interaction with other people, right? Mm. Um, that mm. you have to either learn how to reframe or rethink how you mm. see this yeah. information and this processes, or... Mm you change the situation in which where you can control or can't mm. control. And I believe this is something mm. that we'll dive mm. in deeper um, after this. So I totally agree with, with that philosophy because it's been scientifically proven as well. And mm. maybe I'll find some papers and put it in the description later for the listeners mm. to check out. So cool. Um, I want to continue actually to mm. go into deeper of the foundations of stoicisms. Is that mm. Of course, yeah. but it will be a bit of a mouthful. So uh, I hope I won't be too much and I hope it's understandable yeah. because knowing the foundation of Stoicism is actually important in order to understand what it is that makes it so helpful. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. So, all right. Um, so just uh, I just want to respond to what you said about bottling and suppressing your emotion because the more that I learn about all this philosophy the more I'm convinced that the crux of the matter is what we what we actually want and what the emotion actually want is to be understood mm. what, what I mean by that is what they want to be known what's their reason for having that, emo that kind of emotion because uh, yeah otherwise you're bottling it up and you will be stuck with their emotion being deaf, not not being able to express themselves. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you, and I can. I love that because I also agree that emotions are information. When your body mm. feels any emotion, it's mm. telling you to be aware and what is it trying to tell you what you need at that moment. Mm. Mm. Yeah. All right. So, it's the stoic components. When we are learning stoicism, we even from the modern writers the the intro to Stoicism, they will say the three disciplines or the three components which are important to Stoicism. Mm. The three are called physics, logic, and ethics. So let's begin one by one. Okay. So when we, when we talk about physics, the Stoic would like to observe how the universe works, basically. How people work, how we became here. And from their study of the universe, they, they've seen that the universe is ever-changing. So if you ever heard the term, nature is change, that's basically it. So, and afterwards, they come to know how human beings come right now. And they learn that, yeah, human beings uh, have higher rate of survival, for example, if they come together, create communities, help together, basically. So, yeah, this is... And it's, it's important to know this because it's also important later to remember when I mention our meditation techniques. Yeah. So the second component is called logic. So uh, we also learn about the nature of human beings, right? From also, from also physics. 
And we, we know and we realize that we are a creature with a faculty of reasoning. And this is important because this faculty lets you to choose what is good, what is bad, lets you judge and lets you decide. And it's also especially important because it lets you to reach the truth by shifting all through the, uh, sorry if I'm a swear, bullshit that people might say to you. So in order for you to see behind the veil and reach the truth. It is also important, especially regarding your emotion, because sometimes you are clouded with judgments or way of thinking, which are unhealthy. And we can actually use reasoning in order to shift past through the cloud yeah. and make the way of thinking clearer or healthier. So I still recall that there are certain mis uh, misconceptions also about thinking, like whether you're thinking too much or if you're an overthinker, your mental health would automatically go down. But it's not like so, because as human beings, we automatically think a lot. I agree. But what, what matters is the quality of your thoughts. So what you what we need to work on instead is not by suppressing our thinking, but actually to guide our thinking on a better way of how to think about the things that approaches us, the circumstances, our emotions, so on. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually really useful that you highlight that and we're learning that as one of the um, components of stoicism because when I learn from my meditation trainings and practices is that when our thoughts come, we can't just um, hold on to it. And that's one of the automatic reactions when we have these thoughts. And when we're holding on to these thoughts and we get clouded by our judgments, we're not making the right decisions and we're not saying the, the most right or beneficial things. Like we might hurt other people or ourselves when we are clouded by this judgment. So understanding that that's a good component and that it will pass. Um, especially if you can reframe your thinking to something that's more beneficial and healthier to you, that's some thing that you have to learn continually as a life for a lifetime. Mm, that's exactly. Cool. Yeah. You also have to continually learn about new things on Earth. Yeah, that's one of the many features of stoicism. But I will explain later, of course. So there's physics, there's logic, and the third, and probably the most important. Mm. Uh, no, most popular actually is called ethics because ethics is all about how a stoic would approach life, how they act. So we not only contemplate, not only we think about things and we don't want to get stuck in intellectualizing things and have and with them having no practical effect at all. But instead the stoic will also put it a, an important component that we also act according to or what we think is right, what our logic think is right also, based on our reason. So uh, the Stoic also have this uh, term called living with nature. Mm. And that means with the nature of you as a human being. That means living with, your, with the things that you were already given with. For example, you have emotions, so you have to live with it and you cannot avoid it. You also were given the faculty of reasoning how to do logic. So you also have to uh, sort of practice how to use your reasoning abilities. And it was said that if you, if 
if you live by nature, if you live according to what you have, you will have a peaceful life because you're not going against them. You're making use of what was given to you. Wow. That's, that's really mind-blowing. It's, it's so simple, but I think it's, it's a life-changing understanding once you understand that there is a need for it. And I, guess, um, I would also like to ask you actually for, for a bit, what, why do you think stoicism is such an, a popular mm. learning and understanding a topic? And mm. this question is actually by mm. Andrew Yoel. Uh, he asked mm-hmm. on Instagram, I really like to address that because I don't know, there's just something so mind-blowing about mm. philosophy. Mm. Can you explain okay. a little bit about that? So I guess if I observe lately about people selling books, I guess there's been an increase in interest of self-help books. Mm. So if you're a cynic, you will think of it like, oh, they're just out making money and so forth. But it's not exactly like that. I saw, I, I'm read, I read an article where it cites a research about millennials, even though it's just the US, but it can also translate to other parts of the world because yeah. So in the study, it, it, it said that millennials compared to the generation before, they put a lower value of themselves. Mm. Instead, they put a higher value on externals mm. and external achievements. Mm-hmm. So we can see that we can actually correlate this with the increasing amount of anxieties and depression. Well, of course, you can actually debate it because millennials, they will most likely and will more often uh, report their mental health compared to the previous generation, which is more secretive about that. But we can also see from this correlation and it can actually explain itself because the more that you put more value towards things and if you have nothing to value on yourself, what will happen if the externals that you put so much value on actually is failing? For example, uh, you might not get the job you want, you might not get the relationship you want. So if, if all these things you put value on crumbles, there's nothing else inside of you. And you can say that there's no foundation. When there's no foundation, the, the building becomes very fragile. And what we mean by foundation is, as, as the article stated, that the that our generation is actually currently lacking in a philosophy of life, mm-hmm. a philosophy in which they put value in themselves as a human being, that they have a dignity and self-worth that's not dictated by external value. And yeah, uh, and our current generation just so happened as uh, start, they don't really reflect on this kind of thing, yeah, not so much. So. This is where stoicism kind of helped alongside with many other philosophies and other self-help, self-help books and guides that, that we will also need to shift that value inside ourselves again. Mm. And by doing that, we can also improve our mental health being and live a more colorful life. Yeah, thank you for, for that beautiful answer. And also you're just so well read with uh, the article because there is so much truth to it. And I relate and resonate so much with what you and what the article said that we often put too much mm, point and too much power of external validation. And we also don't tend to self-reflect as much as we can to keep a healthy uh, mental life and mental well-being. 
And I, I understand that we as human beings, we all want to have a good life and we want to avoid any types of suffering, whether that's mental and whether that's physical. And I'm curious to know, what have you read about um, philosophies from Stoicism that says anything about that specifically? So I think there's this quote, which I really like, which was also cited by Immanuel Kant, which is like so many thousands years later. Uh, the Stoics would say that, compare yourself to a jewel, the jewel will have value in itself. Mm. It is not affected by the praise of others or the lack of it. And which means that you, like a jewel, must also realize your self-dignity as a human being. Which I will also actually talk later because uh, I want to talk also about the one of the other foundation of Stoicism, which is Socrates, which talks exactly why this happened, when this course came to being. Wow. Wow. I love that. I'm already so inspired and I feel like I have to evaluate my values too because I am also very often thinking about what other people think of me. Like it just happened because it's, um, if we trace back biologically and evolutionary, we we think of others' validation as a means of survival because you want to mm, exactly. be respected in a in a group so you can survive more. And I think that's so mm. deeply wired in our brains. But it's mm. good to know that in this time and age where validation can see, be seen, not only what Ferris has said with um, the jobs you get or the relationships, but mm. very simply on social media, for example, how many friends you have, how many likes you get, how many views. And I think if we always constantly try to validate ourselves through that number or metric that is so easily seen, um, you can't take care of yourself very well. Mm -hmm. and, and it's good to be a jewel and understand yourself like a jewel. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, but it is not to say that anything external of us is completely should be ignored. No. What Stoicism teaches is that you should take them wisely. Mm. It's like, uh, so life was likened to being playing a game of ball. So mm. you're, you're in a game or you're in life and you are given, you're given a ball. So your job is to play with the ball as good as you can. But once the game is over, you don't need to be possessive about the ball anymore. Mm. What is, what I'm saying is that even externals, they have some uses, of course, mm. for example, compliments from others, they can give you much feedback. And certainly we cannot, uh, we cannot deny that they also make you feel good, right? So what we must understand that is that we should not be dependent on them because what, if you are so dependent on praises, whenever you don't have any more praises, what would you feel like? That's the dangerous part. And we cannot say also that, no, you don't need a job completely. You don't need a relationship completely, no. You need a job in order to live, and you need a relationship in order to build your character, in order to, in order to build your personality and develop it further. Yeah. Especially like that, because yeah, stoicism puts a lot of importance on on the excellence of your character, and we strive to improve it as much as we can mm. when with through circumstances. Yeah, that's that's such a key understanding to 
always get information but not be dependent on externals so if we don't be we are not dependent on externals so we have to take responsibility within ourselves and our character is that correct yes. I've, i've read something about um and this is not always attributed to stoicism but i would love to know if this originated in stoicism which is try to stay within your locus of control or mm. in a way be responsible for what you can control and if you can't mm. control it then don't worry about it i think there's a yes. dalai lama that i really like yeah. um, it's kind of um related but i just wanted to say it because i really like it so yeah. if you have a problem basically if you can do something about it why worry mm. and if you mm. can't do something about it why worry so i'm like yeah that's so true mm. like if it's in my locus of control and there's something that i worry about i will do something about it but if it's mm. externally something that i can't control like people's reactions and and just what people say mm. then i shouldn't worry about it and i just mm. love that i don't know i i was wondering mm. um what stoicism say about this um locus of control that's perfectly what stoic ethics is all about actually yeah okay yeah it's called a dichotomy of control because you only have two things in life the things you can control and the things that you cannot but uh, how stoic got to to this conclusion however i can also explain first yes please if you may absolutely let's do it well that's okay so we learn about the physics logic and ethics right mm-hmm. So let's talk about a bit about Socrates. Do you know about Socrates? Not as much Sammy. as I'm sure. <laughs> so I think Socrates was the most famous. I think he is the most famous philosopher, Western philosopher ever, because he's the first who developed the Socratic questioning, how to inquire further towards the truth, and so on, and. He's probably the father of philosophy, like the, all the many schools that we have right now. He's based on his inquiry towards the general public, because he keeps on haggling people on the street, on the market. He for for questions such as, "Do you know what a good man is?" <laughs> wow, and of course each person has their kind of uh, questions, right? And this is what. And Socrates would like to dig deeper on each of the question, each of the answers that his his respondent have. Mm-hmm. And from his from his life, he developed uh, two key uh, ethics theory that Stoics will also follow. Let's go for, to the first one. The first one is that Socratic ethics says that uh, good and evil only resides within you. Mm. in your own will alone so for example if someone harms you perhaps physically or verbally you might actually not be harmed at all because and this is important because the sole decider of good and evil is actually within your will mm. so this is important like especially being a jewel like i said before mm. it's important because you as a soul carrying a will soul and will is actually the same or whatever mm-hmm. as a soul Yeah. you actually be are the one who can who will decide whether the things are outside of you affects you or not mm. so 
if you let let those harmful things affect you badly, then you can say that you become became a bad person because you're the one who decide for yourself how you respond, how you act, and so forth. That's interesting. Something like that. And the second theory, uh, Socratic ethics, is that people do wrong out of ignorance. Mm. They don't do it willingly because he argues that what kind of person would like to do mistakes willingly? So this is quite a humbling uh, ethical theory because um, well, let me think about it first. It's quite humbling because people just don't know any better when they do mistakes. And it makes you become kinder to yourself and to others whenever they make mistakes because either you teach them to be better or they keep on making, they, they will keep on making mistakes. And uh, there is no reason for you to be angry towards them if all the, all the mistakes that they've done is due to ignorance or due to knowing any better, mm. something like that. And this, this theory was also emphasized by Epictetus that we shouldn't be angry towards others when they make mistakes because it's like being angry with a person being blind because a person who is ignorant is blind, perhaps not physically, but intellectually. So uh -huh. it's our job actually to be kinder, to let them know how to be better, stuff like that. Likewise to ourselves, we shouldn't curse ourselves together whenever we do mistakes. It's actually an innocent mistake when, if we think about it because it's just that we don't know any better. Yeah. And because of this, it's also our duty to keep on learning, to be a lifelong learner, how to, how to do better. Well, thank you so much, Grace. That is such an important lesson. And while I'm hearing, I kind of have a little bit of goosebumps because I so agree. And I've recently learned and, and talked to someone as well that when people do make mistakes, we have to be forgiving because they're acting from their understanding of the world and mm, exactly towards the world and they and we are all in a different spectrum of consciousness self-awareness and self-inquiry so for people who do make mistakes one time and two times and without self-inquiry they can do it multiple times but the most important part is realizing when we do make a mistake we are kind towards ourselves and then we try to learn from it and that's why you also said I hope about lifelong learning. I think it just resonates so much because um, we see ourselves and other people humbly as on the same level. There's no anyone who is smarter, better, or in what other way. Or I believe that I just don't want to think that I'm better than another person or another mm. person is lower than me. And I think it's so important mm. for that to be reminded. You know, to to have more compassion not only for other people but also for ourselves. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so let's also kind of reflect about the world. For example, we also see news of people doing crimes, stealing, mugging, murdering, for example. And from the from circuitic words, we kind of we can explain that they're actually doing that because they believe it's the right thing to do. Mm. So, of course, uh, when so when so the justice system if we are actually doing it to socket this way, isn't to punish them actually, but it's to 
lead them towards being a better person. And I believe also this is actually a better way to also make people learn from their mistake. Because if you if you are giving justice out of just punishing mm. or because out of your emotion of malice of hating them, they're not going to get any better. Wow. Something like that. I, th- I think and it's kind of, it's kind of tragic too when you think about it. Because when you hear when I when I say that they're just doing the right thing that they believe to do, it's because they're also uh, pressured by their circumstances to do what they have to do, is to be like that. So yeah, why don't we give them more compassion instead on how to be a better person? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a very lovely view, especially when we are talking to people or before we judge someone we never really see um, the whole story and experience behind the decisions that we see on the outside so so yeah i think that's something we all can reflect on you can even apply to your emotion as well how so how how do we do that because yeah you develop certain ways of thinking right Mm. and it will lead you to certain emotions perhaps unhealthy ones Mm-hmm. But instead of scorning them, instead of suppressing them, you want to lead your line of thinking towards the right way of healthier way of doing things, of emotion. Yeah. Doesn't it make sense? It does. This is also what this is also what I meant by reframing also in what you have learned is to also lead also yourself towards a better way of thinking, towards a better person overall. Yeah. And I think I really appreciate everyone who does that, you know, that they question their life and they examine what they do when they learn from it. I think it's one of the really good qualities of a person aside of, of being curious and humble and nice. But but the person who can think that way is sure to to learn a lot. And that's that's really interesting to remind yourself. Cool. Um, so about this thinking about what we should do and how we reframe our situations to better manage our emotions. I understand that with philosophy, there's a lot of contemplation, um, especially these books, the three books that you mentioned, they or four actually, are are based on the contemplations of people from the past. And I believe that it's popular now because the truth remains quite constant and that's why people are picking up on it too and um for my experience i i like to process at least my emotions and my thoughts through journaling for example Mm. or meditating and Mm. i'm just very curious if if you've had read or you've experienced something from stoicism or inspired by stoicism in terms of self-contemplation actually whenever the thought arises, whenever i'm about to sleep i couldn't and i have thoughts i actually have a journal where i write whatever thoughts i have if i feel like reciting one of the lines from one of the many books i usually have a few journals ready in order to process what i thought about at the same time, I also use the journal to contemplate about my emotion. Whenever I feel disturbed, I will directly write in a journal what I feel like 
currently. And then from there, I try to examine what is it that made me feel that way. So I have to get to the root of it. Yeah. Because this is one of the many foundation of Stoicism that I actually want to talk about also. Yeah. That this is a quote from Epictetus. Mm -hmm. He said that it is not the thing itself that disturbs us, but rather our opinion of it. Mm. And this is a very foundation of the emotion, the theory of emotion of Stoicism. This actually became one of the theory for cognitive behavioral therapy or psychotherapy. Yeah. The guy was inspired by this very quote that whenever you're feeling unwell, it's actually because of the judgments and the opinion you have towards yourself. Mm. So as a stoic philosopher or, or perhaps the job of the therapist, it is our job and their job to know what is it that made you form that certain opinion. And once you learn the reason, you also have to reframe them or reguide them towards a better way of thinking in order to make it more reasonable. Yeah, I, I love that you also mentioned um, cognitive behavioral therapy because I'd like to share a little bit of my experience with it. Um, when I was suffering with a lot of depression and anxiety, I met a psychiatrist and I was introduced to this technique. And I have since tried to use it every time I have more episodes of, of being in the down low, basically. And mm. um, just to, to share with our listeners, uh, my understanding and my experience of, of CBT is that you write down the thoughts that you're having and then what in the next column or the next line is how do you feel based on these thoughts? And then the next one is how would you rather reframe these thoughts into a more mm. positive light or mm. what Chris has discussed um, within the stoicism philosophy and trying to reframe your emotions in a certain way. And why this is useful, I believe for me, is first the act of writing my thoughts down makes me believe that I, I am not really my thoughts. Like I can just <laughs> write down these thoughts and I observe and it makes me feel like this kind of release. <laughs> and then the second step, it helps me cognitively reassess because <laughs> it's hard for our minds to multitask everything that we're doing and also <laughs> reflect on it in our own heads. Like we can <laughs> do it, but it's extremely not easy and it's much easier to do it on paper because then you can assert your reasoning to mm. why is this thought? What is this emotion, this feeling caused by this thought mm. Mm. trying to inform me? And what can I do mm. with it? Mm. And it gives a much proactive light onto the steps that are healthy mm. in order to take the information from this emotion. Mm. So yes, yeah. um, what I'm saying is that I really love that you say that and it's something from stoicism that created a philosophy that's useful for us up until now through CBT, for example. So it, it's really cool. Oh, I will actually want to clarify one thing from what you said. Okay. So what we want to reframe is not our emotion. Mm. Remember, what we want to reframe is our way of thinking. Okay. okay. So CBT, Stoicism, they have this theory that your final emotion it was caused by the line of thought mm -hmm. that you that made you feel that way. So yeah. what you want to fix is not the, emo the resulting emotion because it's just re a reflection of your thoughts. 
yeah. what you want to examine is actually the thoughts, the the kind, the line of thinking, the logic behind your judgments, behind your opinion, that leads you to feel that way. Wow! Thank you for, for that. example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I give you an example. Yes. You are re- you are rejected from a job or from the person that you like. Mm-hmm. It brings you down. Yeah. However, upon upon examination. What makes you feel down is actually because uh, the rejection part makes you feel like you are not good enough. But we can say from stoicism that this is actually not true Mm. because your self-worth is not entirely dependent on the the person who accepts or rejects the thing from you. And the second reasoning is that actually the person or the thing that rejects or accepts you is not actually within your control at all. So it's, even though from what you do, there's actually still a chance outside forces uh, might not uh, align with what you want. Mm, mm. And yes, and speaking of which, speaking of that, let's talk about the dichotomy of control from stoicism, mm. the things that we can and we cannot control. Yeah. So. So we still remember, right, from Socrates, good and evil is all within us, not from outside of us. Mm-hmm. From that, they also refined that uh, theory into the, this thing called dichotomy of control. Mm-hmm. The dichotomy of control is the things that we can and the things that we cannot. And it also states what is good and what is evil. Mm-hmm. Mm. And here, listen, listen to me because this is kind of important. <laughs> uh, so what is good and what is evil? Of course, there will be a question about it, right? Good, according to Stoicism, is called virtue. So mm-hmm. virtue is actually based on a Greek word, Greek word, but if we refine it further into modern English, it means excellence, excellence of quality. So you want to uh, nurture the good within you by being virtuous by uh, by improving your character, mm-hmm. and the evil is actually the opposite of the virtues. Uh, I will I can explain it later. So, what are virtues exactly? So, virtues are like uh, values which stoicism will strive to achieve. The first one is wisdom. Wisdom is knowing better, wanting the truth using your faculty of reasoning in order to process information and so on. So that's wisdom. Then there's justice. Justice will be you wanting to treat others fairly, wanting to be honest, wanting to fulfill your promises, Mm. not lying, Mm. stuff like that. And then there's courage. Courage means your ability to be resilient against the hardship that you may face in life. Yeah. So sometimes there are things that stop us from doing things, right? Yeah. That that's actually a vice, and we can actually say to ourselves that our fear was baseless or not based on reason. And through courage, we can go through all the hardships we got, uh, we got in life. Mm. So it's actually a so the goal of stoicism is actually not to reduce suffering, not to avoid it. Mm-hmm. But in order to get through it, to accept that it is happening to me, but the me inside of me is not truly harmed. I'm still a good person, regardless of what's happening in the world. Wow. 
So you also, you also start to rely on yourself because when the world is all tumbling down, all you got to rely on is yourself. Yeah. The thing that you can actually control. Yeah. Okay. And the last virtue is called temperance. Temperance means like deferring your choice to another time, holding off from doing something that you think might be helpful or might be harmful, mm. something like that. Okay. And then there's the, the good and evil is always in you. The, the things that you can control. So yeah. it's uh, it's like a daily job for a stoic to to behave themselves to achieve good. Yeah. And the things outside of us, it's called an indifferent. So okay. we call them an indifferent because they're neither good or evil. And you gotta take note. They're neither good or and evil because ah, I see you're moving. Yeah, good and evil. Good, a, good and outside. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So good and evil is a is a judgment that you give from yourself. It's neither formed by others or from the circumstances. And indifference are called like so because they're neither harmful or neither useful, but they can be useful. For example, getting a job, building friendship, building uh, building relationship. Mm. But we call them indifferent such that we don't become too dependent on those indifference whenever they don't have they don't exist anymore. Yeah. So it's a good way of also reflecting upon the locus of control. Like you said, that good or bad in life is up to you to decide. Mm -hmm. And that is also by this, we can also be more able to separate the things from the externals. So yeah. if you are disturbed by the externals, we should also reflect and stop and think that no, they're disturbing me because I have the judgment that they are bad. However, this is actually not so. They are bad only because I said so. Mm -hmm. Even though if I just stop calling them bad, calling them harmful to me, that thing that us, that thing outside of us will no longer harm us. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's one of the really important things, I think, and truth that I feel like would make our life less, I wouldn't say stressful because life could be stressful, but um, mm -hmm. I think it could make life easier from mm -hmm. the complexity of your mind and how you judge the world. And, you know, when you're in a low period, um, whether you are struggling with mental health issues, sometimes mm -hmm. you don't know for sure what's going on, like you're mm -hmm. so clouded. And I really love what you just explained because this dichotomy of control gives a sense of hope and empowerment towards ourselves. because um, usually when we're so anxious or depressed, we, we feel like there's no hope or we are powerless. But in truth, what Ferris has been saying and what I agree is that we have more power than we think we do. And, exactly. and that's really something that we have control to work on and to improve. And one of the things I've had after learning Stoicism is I have a lot more self-esteem towards myself because before that, no one told me or no one made me realize that I actually have so much power over my over my thinking. Mm -hmm. Because if you 
before that, I just let whatever circumstances outside of me affect me and let me feel down. But afterwards, I'm more confident in facing the things I have in life because I know they, I can, uh, they can stop worrying me if I want to and whenever I decide to. Yeah. That's 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 just the amount of power you have. You can you can stop letting things worry you just by your decision. <laughs> Thank you so much for that and sharing that because you can build so much resilience. And I'm so proud to to see and hear that that you are resilient and you're sharing these really beautiful knowledge to our listeners. And I really appreciate you for that. That's, thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, um, we have a bit more time and um, I would like to jump into a similar topic, if that's okay, regarding what Stoicism thinks about meditation. I think we just mm, in mm. the introduction that we're gonna dive into that. And mm. um, I'm really interested to know if I would meditate on the many truths that you were just saying, what would you recommend me to do like what are where should I start or mm. what is the best way to start reflecting mm. and meditating? Mm. Um, personally, I would use a journal, but that's because um, maybe because I'm a visual learner mm. that I need to note down whatever I'm thinking. But this is also helpful to, to note down what you're thinking because it helps you to know the structure of how you are thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I noticed from meditations based on Stoicism and based on Buddhism is that uh, there's not much physical activity required in Stoicism, unlike, for example, of you doing yoga, mm -hmm. doing your physical exercises, something like that. But I believe you can actually combine it. So whenever you do yoga, you can perhaps... Uh, recite some of the lines that the stoic philosophers have i actually did that when i was working out so when i'm working yeah. out and i'm feeling awful and i want to read for myself i just have an have a book open right next to me while i'm just lifting yeah and so that the the way of thinking of the of stoicism sticks on me yeah Thank you for sharing that. I love that. <laughs> I do have like these. Um, I start my yoga practice, um, whether I'm self-practicing or guiding other people, I always remind them to first set an intention, a few simple words that you want to bring into mm. your practice. Mm. And mm. just based on whatever you're feeling um, that day or what you want to cultivate mm. more in your life. Mm. And mm. in the middle of a practice, whenever we're like more in a, in a grounding state or a still moment after a lot of mm. movements, I'd remind them mm. again, remind myself, mm. uh, please remind yourself what's the intention and mm. the practice. And if you felt anything different regarding that and just stay with mm. it. So mm. there is a sense of reflection that I try to bring into the practice. And I love that you're also doing something similar. I think, <laughs> I think it's fun. I think it's useful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but using a journal was really helpful to me because uh, what we've discussed before, we want to get into the root of our way of thinking, right? So at first I would write, what is this emotion that I'm feeling right now? So I want to acknowledge that emotion, whether I'm sad, whether I'm upset, whether I'm angry. You don't want any kind of uh, 
spices around it, you know, saying things other than your emotion. Mm-hmm. You want the truth, you want the emotion that you are feeling like, right there, right now. Mm-hmm. And then after I feel this emotion, I will write down mm, what I actually wanted that I took, perhaps I failed to achieve that may lead to that emotion. Mm-hmm. I will write down also all the potential reasoning on why perhaps I will I would feel that way. Mm-hmm. And then after doing that, I will after doing the, those two things, I will reflect upon what I wrote, what the line of reasoning is. And on the third step, I will try to reframe my way of thinking, perhaps when I learn about stoicism or from my own reasoning that it doesn't make sense for you to think that way mm-hmm. and so on. Because once you reframe your thinking, your, your emotions automatically follow. Yeah. So you don't have to take care, uh, you don't have to mess around much with your emotion, but you have to put more importance on your way of thinking. Yeah. But that's, uh, oh, this is also the thing that I want to say is that uh, when you are facing a situation, for example, someone surprise you from behind, someone punch you, someone tell you bad news, mm-hmm. you will automatically feel bad, right? You will feel automatically surprised, you will feel automatically angry, mm-hmm. sad, uh, and that's okay, that's natural. Mm-hmm. The Stoics uh, acknowledge that uh, right after the event happened to you, you will feel something. Mm. But what you need to take care on is the after this event, uh, after the afterwards, after the after your emotion, mm-hmm. such that you don't continuously have this negative feeling towards you. Mm-hmm. It is unreasonable for you to sad for a very long time, even though there's a way for you to cope with that sadness. Mm-hmm. It is unreasonable for you to be hateful for the to the one with. To the one that made you angry initially, because stoicism doesn't like ang- anger at all. It's not useful, because mm. according to them, if you have anger, you will lose your self your sense of self control. Yeah. You when you're angry, you are letting letting the other person be your master, as if you're the slave. Yeah. So whatever your master do, you're just doing what your slave. You're just doing what a slave does, which is to to follow according to them. Yeah. So it is recommended that we are we should not be angry at all or or be hateful towards another because we don't want the externals to control us. We want to regain control control towards ourselves. That's good. Um, I like that you said about anger is um, not useful because I have also learned back when I was doing my masters. Uh, I read this papers and we also had like a, a whole subject about it that when we have emotions, either positive or negative, um, like you're angry or you're elated, super happy, you're not making the most reasonable decisions because Mm. in our brain, our emotions and our line of reasoning cannot work together at the Mm. same time. So refrain from making any big decisions when you're in any type of extreme emotions, whether you're super happy or you're super angry. I think Mm. it's is such an important thing to learn because if mm. you act, say, based on 
your emotions, which we are learning that we can change through changing our thoughts that rises this emotion is um, a really good practice to do because our brains can do it. It's, it's scientifically proven. So make decisions on a colder state rather than you're hot with emotions. So that's pretty cool. So what I explain about writing on the journal is actually a, a stoic way of mindfulness. Mm. So, so the stoic of mindfulness is you, you don't actually need to wait for a journal. You can just start right now, start living your life. And then whenever you feel like something, you think about something, you can directly stop, maybe do, do some breathing in order to regain yourself and then ask yourself, what is it that I'm feeling and so forth. You can actually go into the roots of your thinking, way of thinking, without without journals. You can even integrate it, I think, with your yoga practices. Yeah. Something maybe for you, like, for you to do next. I will. I will try. I will try. I'm <laughs> learning so much from you. And it's so amazing to see that there is many things that we can start doing. Because, of course, it's it's easy to understand that it's, harder to do in real life when you are faced with this emotion and I was really wondering if there is practical tips that our listeners can try at home after listening to this podcast that is very inspiring mm. what can they do to start incorporating more stoicism and regulating their emotions and improving mm. their self through contemplation is there anything you'd recommend to our listeners okay so one of the first things that i learned to stop doing which is a bad habit is to stop with the self-deprecating talk regarding yourself or regarding the events so you should stop saying that you are a bad person you're dumb you're stupid and so on no no stop go. with that mm. no because Marcus Aurelius said in his journal that your mind will take on the character of your most frequent thoughts and your souls are dyed very thoughts. Wow. And similarly, you can continue that line of thought mm. that your emotion, your souls, and the way you're thinking are developed by the way you act. This mm. means also the way you say the way you say about yourself, the way you say about events. Mm. So the less, the less I judge about myself or the circumstances, the better you will be. I can guarantee you that. Mm. Okay. Let's the next tip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last judgment about things. Yes. The next tip will be, yeah, breathing exercises work. So whenever you feel disturbed, if you can, stop right away. Take some. Take some rest, uh, take some retreat for yourself. Maybe do some reading exercise and reflect upon yourself. What's happening, what's in your thoughts, and so on. And for those who want to start stoicism, the most practical tip I can give you is to actually read, read the book. Because there's only so much I can tell you. And lots of the wisdom contained in stoicism are actually contained in the writing, how to act, how to think about things. And there's this actually there's this term called therapeutic reading, which means that you can feel better the more you read good things. Huh. One of the things is stoicism, also. Wow. Books about stoicism. 
Yeah, I'll make sure to write um, the book that you recommend in the description, just to make sure that people can um, continue with their further resources after this this very mm -hmm. like conversation. <laughs> of course. Okay, and um, so what's interesting as well that we've actually talked a lot regarding the meditation and stoicism. I'm interested to know if you can cite um, something that's interesting and useful as an example for mm -hmm. when we are contemplating or meditating, because you did give an example that you were reading while mm -hmm. you were doing some exercise or for me mm -hmm. for my yoga next time. Is there mm -hmm. anything um, that we can start with? I can perhaps give you some quotes. Well, yeah. I already gave you quotes before this talk happened. Perhaps you can give them later in the Instagram post, in the post, in the pictures, the quotes I give you. But the quotes are very helpful in ways that, because the quotes are very vivid and they are quite, uh, they give imagery. Mm. And this is useful to, to build up uh, imageries or visuals in your head. Mm -hmm. So as to also be on somewhere else. Yeah. or be in a better circumstance. Yeah. For example, I, I'll give you this one quote from Marcus Aurelius. Mm -hmm. He said that, that all is as thinking makes it so. That the circumstances is just how you judge it so, good or bad. Mm -hmm. And that you are, and you control your thinking. So, remove your judgments whenever you wish, and then there is calm as the sailor rounding the cape finds smooth water and welcome the waveless bay. Wow. I'm a bit speechless. There's so much truth in like 10 seconds. <laughs> That's really, really good. I really like rereading also the quotes. It gives me peace of mind also when I read them. Yeah, it reminds you too what are important things, right? Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Ferris, for so many things that you have explained to us kindly in, in what you have read so far and i really would like to end this this podcast and this conversation with some questions that we have asked on both my instagram and Ferris's instagram and i would love to address all of them if possible because yes please <laughs> my friends are very enthusiastic and i would like to answer any questions that they have yes <laughs> I, I would really would really love to help as much people as we can with this conversation and let's start with the first one so this is a question from giovanni and he asks mm -hmm. what do stoics say about the meaning of life and what is an accomplished life for a stoic this question mm -hmm. is all these questions are a lot to handle, but we'll Very deep. give our, our best. Ferris will try to give his best. It's his expertise. <laughs> okay. So when we're talking about the meaning of life, we have to answer two questions. The first one is, where, where does that meaning of life come from? Mm. If you're religious, it may, come, it may come from God. But if you're not, perhaps it can come from the self or from what you do from what uh, you experience later in life. And the second question is, what is it exactly, that meaning of life? <laughs> so the Stoics uh, will contemplate also this question. And Marcus Aurelius mentioned to himself that either this world was a product of a god 
or whether this world was a product of randomness of atoms. If uh, either of that, we shouldn't be purposeless ourselves. Mm. So to the Stoics, uh, the source of that meaning of life could come from anywhere. But if I have to take the meaning of life uh, exclusively from the Stoics, it is to be to live according to nature, mm. according to what you have, and to develop them, to develop virtues. And that is pretty much the accomplished life for a Stoic when they continuously strive for excellence. But of course, to some people, um, this might be quite a bit shallow because you're just improving just for the sake of improving. There's no other meaning you can attach it to. Mm. Well, in a way, you're right because Stoics don't don't need to attach it to any other externals. But in case you'd like, there are various other philosophies that could be a complementary to Stoicism. Um, mm. Let me also answer the, my uh, my friend's question. In which she said, what other philosophy schools can be complementary to Stoicism, such as could it be absurdism, existentialism, and so on. And I can say that a lot of it, you can use absurdism. For example, absurdism was made by Albert Camus. And Albert Camus was actually reading Stoic books when he was hospitalized. So he, he used the books in order to help him to be alive. And absurdism is all about uh, knowing how to get through life regardless of circumstances and rebel against the nothingness that is nihilism. Mm -hmm. And if I may also recommend also, yeah. this is book by Viktor Frankl. Yep. Viktor Frankl, it was a Jew who was, uh, who was almost killed in the Holocaust but he survived and he hung on to life because uh, he remembered what was dear in his life. Mm -hmm. Basically, he, the, the, he provided himself with the meaning of life that was useful to him. So I can say that uh, Stoicism, we can still learn a lot more from other schools. Mm -hmm. In fact, you can, and you should, it is recommended that you read from rival schools in order to compare and contrast what's the differences between Stoicism and Epicureanism. For example, Epicureanism is all about avoiding pain, mm. live a happy life, mm. but the Stoics disagree. It's all about how you get through that suffering, not, not to live a wonderland. Yeah, not to oppress it for sure. <laughs> mm. Mm. Okay, thank you for that. Let's, let's go to our next question. So um, I hope I'm pronouncing her, his name correctly, Aina? Yes, I know. Aina asks, does Stoic philosophy also mean to not give a, a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes and no, because like I've already explained about the indifference, we should not avoid them entirely. So we should not give uh, our attention to things in which we become dependent on. But instead, we, we use our judgment in order to shift the value on what is important for others and accordingly give that value. For example, we put value towards our loved ones, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, wife, husbands, children. But there's this also meditation called the premeditation of adversity. Mm. which means in the darkest sense, 
you meditate for them being gone. Yeah. You meditate for them, for their death, because part of nature is also the impermanence of things. That things don't last forever, and living things will also die. It's kind of grim when you think about it, but this, the purpose is not to make you scared of losing them, mm -hmm. but on the contrary, is to make you accordingly treasure them and cherish them whenever they are still here. And that uh, it will also help you to set back your expectations of them lasting forever, so that when uh, when they are taken from you, you're not completely down from that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. So I just told you one meditation technique there. Yeah. <laughs> Premeditation for adversity. Yes, it's a term by uh, a modern stoic called. Massimo Pigliucci, he made some videos and he made some articles. So if you're interested about Stoicism, you can also learn from his articles. Awesome, thank you. That's great to have another resource to dive this topic deep into it. Okay, so moving on to our next question, also from Ayanel. And um, is it a he or she? Is it, it? Is it a she? It's a she, yes. It's a she. <laughs> Sorry, Ayanel. Um, but Ayanel asked. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, can stoicism be used for other psychiatric conditions? For example, OCD. What do you think about this? Yeah, I actually got two person asking me this question. Mm, but as a, as a preface, I'm not an expert. I'm not a psychiatrist. So take my opinion with a grain of salt. And if you are having troubles with yourself, it is highly recommended that you don't just take stoicism on the side, but you also go take therapy. I would really recommend you to do that. So yeah. So regarding other psychiatric conditions such as OCD, so I'm in a stoic groups in Facebook, right? So once in a while I get anecdotes from people who are having similar conditions, OCD, schizophrenia, and to them it is helpful for them while they're also they're also undertaking their therapies because it's just the techniques, the wisdom in stoicism can help them regain their focus towards themselves. Mm -hmm. So once in a while where they are afflicted, afflicted by whatever in their mind, right? So stoicism can be a reminder and something to get a hold on whenever uh, something bad happens to you. Mm -hmm. And to also remind you that you are actually stronger than your conditions. Mm. It's quite it's also inspiring. It is. So, yeah, it is also recommended to also take stoicism also when for other kinds of ailments, perhaps. Yeah, I think it's important that you mentioned that it's um, important to seek for professional help when you know you need it. And exactly. it helped me a lot through my process, and I would definitely recommend it to anyone who needs Exactly. Perfect. And something quite similar um, towards, well, it's not similar, through obsessive and compulsiveness from OCD, but Pandu asks, why are some things more addictive than others? Okay, so he was actually asking, why is this favorite game of mine, which I actually, oh, I usually play with him. He asked, why is this game more addictive than the others? So I can actually explain by the Socratic terms because uh, Socrates said that 
you are doing things because they are the right thing to do, mm. because they are useful to you, because they make you feel good. Similarly, we are addicted to several things because we feel like they're the right thing to take for us. Mm. Mm. But uh, in here, usually addiction carries a negative connotation, right? Because when you're addicted, you lose self-control of something. To stoicism, uh, maybe I, I can actually argue that it's neither good or bad. Because you know the term called the golden rule, the moderation? Not as by much. Ar yes, no. so Aristoteles. So Aristotelian ethics called that. They encourage you for moderation, so not too much of something. Mm. But Stoicism doesn't believe this, because in Stoicism, for example, it doesn't make sense that there's too much of doing the right thing or the good thing, mm. right? Yeah. So too much of a good thing is actually good. Yeah. As long as, yes, it's help, it's actually reasonable to undertake them. Mm -hmm. It is also maybe... You can also argue it's never a bad thing to be compassionate to everyone. Maybe there are assholes that are around you, but sometimes you just contemplate in this world and the universe, you know. This is another meditation technique while we're at it. Yeah. We also contemplate the, the roles of other people. Sometimes there are people that are childish, they are uh, very angry, they are easily upset but you must contemplate that they must necessarily exist in this world. Mm. Mm. Just like justice. Justice exists because there's injustice. One cannot exist with the other. So your role in this world as the person who knows better is to try to correct it, try to teach them how to be better because that's probably what humanity wants of first and foremost. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's all amazing. I think you're answering these questions really, really well. Mm -hmm. for that. That's amazing. I would like to um, end this, this very lovely podcast and conversation with last question for me. I know I've asked actually all the questions throughout this podcast mostly. Um, but I would really like to know um, mm -hmm. if you have any favorite quote by one of your favorites and what does it mean in your life? Oh, wow. Okay. So the quote was really long, but I really like it because when I discovered stoicism and I stumbled upon this quote, I was having a really hard time adjusting myself. Mm. And then this quote was meaningful to me because whenever I'm feeling down, I can always rely on it to go back to it and feel better. <laughs> would you like to, would you like me to recite the quote? Yes, please. That was my question. Okay. So I would be very excited <laughs> to hear. Okay. It is quite long. So maybe later in Instagram, you can repost it. Yeah. Okay. So here it goes. The quote was said by Marcus Aurelius in his book for, he said this, be like the rocky headland on which the waves constantly break. It stands firm, and around it, seeding waters are laid to rest. So it gives you also imagery of your, of what you should be, a rock that's unhindered by the waves that come into you. But the next part is my favorite. So you might say that it is my bad luck that this has happened to me. 
No. What you should rather say is, it is my good luck that, although this has happened to me, I can bear it without pain, neither crushed by the present nor fearful of the future. Because such a thing could have happened to any man, either good or bad. But not every man could have borne it without pain. So why see more misfortune in the event than good fortune in your ability to bear it? Mm. Or in general, would you call anything a misfortune for a man which is not a deviation from man's nature, from man's regional faculty and so on? Mm -hmm. Or anything a deviation from man's nature which is not contrary to the person, to the purpose of himself? Well, you have learned what that purpose is. Your purpose is to uphold justice, to uphold kindness, to uphold fairness to others. And then you should ask yourself, can there be anything else in this happening which prevents you from being just, high-minded, self-controlled, intelligent, judicious, truthful, honorable, and free? Or any other of those attributes whose combination is the true fulfillment of man's proper nature. So, in all future events which might induce sadness, remember to call on this principle. Yeah. This is not misfortune, but to bear it through to yourself is good fortune. Wow, okay, I'm gonna clap for that. Thank you so much. I have chills, I have little chills. <laughs> Thank you for sharing everything that you have known. Well, not everything, but a lot of things that, that you have learned through stoicism. Thank you for sharing your experience. And I'm really, really happy that I got the chance to talk to you and to share this with other people. Because again, very similarly, when we lost, saw each other in Amsterdam, I felt like talking to you has uplifted me in a way that I didn't expect. You know, and especially because we were talking about stoicism, and I'm really glad that we could do this again. So thank you very much. Mm, likewise. Um, how long has this talk been? It's, very, it's quite long, actually, right? It is quite long. It is quite long, but it's okay. And, <laughs> and yeah, and I actually meant to give a lot more meditation techniques, which is because it is the main topic of your podcast, actually, right? <laughs> so I, I kind of feel bad we're running out of time, but. I hope that some of the things I said can be a good introduction or a good explanation when you want to enter into stoicism, perhaps in order to improve your understanding. You can, of course, always ask me. I'll be in Instagram with the tag, Tarfers. I'll be hanging around mm -hmm. there. I will always be glad to talk about stoicism, explain things that you may not understand and so forth. But the things that I explained in this talk was usually also how I learned about Stoicism. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, I will not uh, understand it without knowing the foundation as well. Right? So that's why that was my goal of saying a lot about the foundation. It's quite a lot, but it's important. Thank you so much, Paris, for sharing that. I'll be sure to put um, your contact details, Instagram, at Darth Ferris on the description. So if anyone would like to reach out to you, um they could do that and yeah thank you again very much for everyone who has 
listening to us. I know this is one of the longer episodes, but I agree with Ferris that the foundations of stoicism is important. And I also believe that it's not just about the quantity of things, but it's really the quality and the depth mm. of understanding things, especially when you're starting something new. Mm. And further, we can find more resources from the books that Ferris has shared, and I will put in the description. And yeah, I think that's all from us right now. And if you enjoyed listening to us or believe that there are benefits and inspiration that you have found from this conversation, please kindly follow this podcast on Spotify and also subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And I hope to bring even more beautiful conversations that is um, useful for your well-being, especially in these times. And take care. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you so much, Ferris, for your time. Thank you as well for this opportunity. Thank you. Namaste.